0: you ever dreamed of becoming an interior designer? You don't want to go back to university. You don't want to work for a large firm, but you just don't know how to get started. You want flexibility. You want to pursue your passion and you want to make income. Well, you should definitely check out the Uploft Interior Design Academy. It's my proprietary program that I've used internally for years and have made available to the public. Not only do you get video modules that you can take at your own pace, but you also get one on one coaching sessions with me, group coaching sessions with our Facebook group of Academy students, and so much more. If you're interested, Get more information and sign up for an exploratory call with me at affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy. Once again, that's affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy. It's time to start living the life of your dreams. a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look, be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Helmet. Hello, I have very exciting news to report. In fact, I am more optimistic than I have been since we moved in to this place because the squirrels have been humanely eradicated. Yes, that's right. I am pretty confident all the squirrels are gone. Now, it is mating season, and squirrels can have 27 to 30 babies. So we can't be totally sure that the last ones are out, but we're fairly confident, and we have a video camera on surveillance watching for squirrels. Now, I was sharing my saga over the course of this podcast, and I had a coaching call with one of the academy students, and she said, Betsy, how are those squirrels going? And this was a few weeks ago, and I said, oh my goodness, it's still horrible. Oh my goodness, they're still here. And I got a wildlife rescue person to come. And he gave me a quote for multiple thousands of dollars to take these squirrels out. Not 1,000, not 2,000, multiple thousands, even though two is a multiple, but you get my drift. And uh, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I needed to think. We all needed time to, to ruminate over that bill. Uh, and she said, Why don't you call a wildlife preserve? Hmm. Yeah. Being a city slicker and a former city suburb slicker, well, I didn't know the first thing about that. So I called a local wildlife preserve, and for a fraction of the price, just a modest tax-deductible donation to the wildlife preserve, I now no longer have flying squirrels in my cottage, and I have a surveillance camera set up to make sure that they don't linger or return. I feel very excited and very optimistic. In fact, if you're watching on YouTube, that is why I am in a robe. I don't actually own a robe myself. I borrowed my son's Harry Potter robe. I think this is the House of Gryffindor. I'm not sure. haven't read the books myself. But um, one of the charms of this cottage, besides the squirrel infestation, is that there is a really delectable hot tub right outside. I have yet to use it because I've been so preoccupied with everything going on, but in celebration of my squirrel eradication, I will be in this hot tub mere moments after this broadcast. I am so excited and I plan on keeping this Harry Potter robe until my birthday when hopefully he will buy me my own robe so that I can enjoy the hot tub on the regular and relax and enjoy the wilderness now that I've got some things under control. I hope you've got things under control. I hope you're feeling good. I hope you have uh, an opportunity to relax this week. One of the things I love to do to relax besides soaking in a hot tub is answering your questions. Do you have questions for me? Sure, it could be about squirrels. It could be about hot tubs. Even though I don't know much about hot tubs, I haven't been in it yet. But Asking me design questions is where you'll really tap into my expertise. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. You'll see a little button there that says submit a question. I would love it if you would. And uh, I'll answer it on an upcoming show. Without further ado, let me get to the questions that are already in my mailbag. The first one is coming from Kelsey. Kelsey's writing from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and she says, Betsy, I am a family photographer with loads of beautiful images of my family. I feel the need to hang photos in my home. But as a kid who grew up in the 90s in a house packed full of picture frames, all of my friends' homes were the same, I question what is the right amount of framed photos in a house. I live in a small three-bedroom ranch. We have one gallery wall above our piano. One large acrylic print above the fireplace. Maybe three or four small picture frames throughout the rest of the house. We have plenty of bare walls, but I get overwhelmed thinking about what to put on them. How many is too many framed photos in a home? What options do I have for wall decor? Are your walls allowed to be bare? In fear of overdoing it, I think I've underdone it. I would love your advice. Well, I definitely have opinions on this because... Sometimes I walk into people's homes and it's like their photo album exploded and there's family photos everywhere. And while it's very interesting, in fact, they might even be some conversation starters, it's not very inspired or creative or unique. And it can be very overwhelming visually. I think it starts to look like a museum exhibit right if there's too much of the same kind of art everywhere that's not just for photos by the way i feel the same way if you had paintings on every wall kelsey it would feel like i'm at the guggenheim instead of in your three-bedroom ranch i feel the same way about sculptural wall hangings if you had baskets and um floating shelves and wall sculpture all over Well, that would also feel pretty oppressive on one note. So the key is to look throughout your space and make sure that you're mixing different types of art as well as different shapes of art. For instance, in my primary bedroom, I found this really amazing vertical piece of like this Victorian lady, and she's blowing like a huge bubble with bubblegum. She just perfectly matches my paint color and my palette, and she just makes me smile and is kind of from the era of the home, and I got her cheap on Society6, and I just really love her, right? But she's vertical. And then when I was going to look for other pieces of art for my room... I said to myself, I know I don't want an art print because I've already used that and I don't want anything vertical. I could pick something square, I could pick something horizontal. Certainly, I could do a wall sculpture that's asymmetrical or even, you know, elliptical or circular. But I want to make sure that I'm not using too many vertical pieces throughout the space. So you always want to be thinking about contrast. And contrast doesn't just mean dark and light right? It doesn't just mean um, heavy and airy. Contrast can also be with shape and contrast can be with types of pieces, right? Too much framed photography can feel like you didn't make any choices. Printed things out in different sizes and said, I'm done. And that doesn't feel very designerly. Now, do you need a piece on every wall? The answer is absolutely not. In fact, we need some empty wall space for our good chi to circulate. So when I'm planning out my artwork, I think about where do I want people to focus? Where do I want their eye to be drawn? I also want to think about if I'm going to incorporate drapes, because for instance, in my primary bedroom, I'm going to hang those drapes well outside the window to enlarge the width of my windows visually. And when I do that, I have less wall space. In fact, I'm just going to have a very small amount of wall space above my bed. So I need to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, even though technically I have walls, the drapery counts as a wall hanging as well. These are things I want you to be thinking about as you're planning your art. Where do I want people to focus? Where do I want the wow factor, right? In my case, I have to do a piece above the bed. You have to do a piece above the fireplace, of course. Uh, But do I really need a piece on either side of the hallway? Typically, I choose one side. And then maybe further down the hallway, I'll choose the other side. You also want to be mindful. And I think this is something that people forget of any architectural clutter that's on the wall. Sometimes there's a lot of light switches, there's a lot of switch plates, there's a lot of outlets, there's a thermostat, and all of that can be visual clutter on a wall. I told my contractors to plug up any like switch plates that we weren't using because there were a few things that we weren't going to use, a few sconces we weren't going to install. Eliminate that sheetrock over it, I'll remember where it is if I ever want to incorporate a sconce or ever want to put that switch plate back, but I probably don't, and I'd rather have a really clean wall on which I can put some artwork that's not visually cluttered with architectural gunk, okay? The other thing to think about is too many gallery walls ruins the specialness of the gallery wall moment. That means if I'm going to use, say, a gallery wall above the piano, I wouldn't do another gallery wall probably at all downstairs, right? Uh, Now, I know you're in a ranch, so it's all downstairs, but maybe I might do one in, say, the den, right? But definitely not within view. Two gallery walls within one view is just overwhelming, I also typically don't like a gallery wall in a hallway because oftentimes it will get bumped as people are carrying laundry or suitcases or grocery bags. So I like it to be in a place like above a piano where people aren't walking by and can, you know, make the pieces go askew. All right, well, that's a lot more information than you needed about artwork hanging, but I hope it inspires you And in those places where you really want people to focus above the fireplace above the sofa, it could be the perfect place to bring in that really special photography, especially because you are a photographer, but in those other places layer in canvas art. Layer in wall sculpture, layer in clocks, layer in framed prints, layer in maps, drawings, all sorts of things that can be a wall hanging, including drapes, without being a framed photograph. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Are you a fan of this podcast? Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. Next question comes from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, which I'm so excited I'm going Toronto. I'm going to Toronto, excuse me. I'm going to Toronto for the very first time uh, later this month. I just can't wait. I mean, it's going to be a little cold for sure, but I love big cities and I love exploring new places. So I'm going there for my business course, but I'm going to stay two extra days and explore and I'm going to drive there. So I'm totally on my own timeline. If I get inspired, might just stay longer. So, you know, write me back with some great places to visit in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All right, Rebecca is writing and she says, hi Betsy, I just discovered your podcast. I'm trying to learn about interior design to improve my own home and finding your podcast an incredible education. I moved into my house a year ago. I will call it the Home Depot Special. It has an open concept main floor with both north and south facing windows. The kitchen cabinets are a creamy white. There is one wall of exposed red brick, which I love. I want to warm up the main floor and make it feel more cozy and bright. I'm interested in changing the kitchen cabinetry handles, the faucet and the island light fixture. Handles in the light fixture are currently shiny chrome. Faucet is brushed nickel as well as the walls. I want to paint for the whole space. Do you have advice on the finish of metals that I should choose for these changes and for the wall color? I hate gray, so please not that. I do not have a clearly defined style yet, but I am working on it. Something transitional with quirky art. Picks below. I hope to keep the cabinets and countertop and floor, but I am happy to change the backsplash. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Rebecca, for finding our podcast. Please spread the word. Guys, if you found our podcast and you're enjoying it, please tell your friends, your family, share it on your social media channels. It is the very best way for us to grow and for us to keep on keeping on because I'm at year seven and a half right now. Seven and a half of podcasting and year 17 of being in the design business. So I have a lot of expertise to share and I would love to keep sharing with you and growing with you. So let's do it. Let's do it. Tell Canada that they should listen up. All right. Let's look at these pictures, Rebecca, and let's take a deep dive. So yes, I definitely see the creamy cabinets. I definitely see the handles that are currently the brushed silver and that are very simplistic. You know, they're just basically a kind of C shape with um, some kind of rounded edges, and they're that brushed silver. Now, personally. Personally, I mean, this is all personal. I like to do, if I'm going with silver in the kitchen, I typically like to do a brush silver. The reason is because oftentimes there's stainless steel with the appliances and it will really go nicely with that finish. The other reason is because in kitchens, there's a lot of fingerprints, right? I'm constantly pulling on the cabinet pulls. I'm constantly using the faucet and I don't want to see those fingerprints. Those are going to give me agita, right? Those are going to stress me out. So I think the brushed metal finish is completely appropriate for kitchen. Do I feel like it needs to be consistent between the cabinet hardware, the faucets and fixtures and the lights? the ceiling fixtures or pendants? No. Typically, I think I do keep it relatively consistent. Definitely the things I'm touching in the kitchen, I like to keep brushed, but I would be okay if you did chrome or polished pendants. It would still look great as long as you stay in that cool family of the silver metals. Now, in a bathroom, I feel very differently. And you're like, Betsy, you know, you're still pulling on the medicine cabinet. You're still turning the faucet for some reason i don't prefer brushed in a bathroom and this is truly personal preference there is no rule there i just love chrome in a bathroom and you know what i think it is in a bathroom the number one thing that is important is not that the bathroom is stylish not that it's particularly inviting it's that it feels clean and to me that shiny sparkle of chrome or polished silver Just exudes a cleanliness. That's my preference on finish. But like I said, no hard and fast rules there. Now, let's talk about the other things that you had mentioned. You were talking about maybe wanting a backsplash. Now, I think it's very dangerous. I'm going to put this out there, Rebecca, that you are making design choices without starting with the two-word phrase. I would not be choosing new cabinet hardware. I would not be choosing a backsplash until I had honed in on my two-word phrase because I want to make sure that everything is cohesive. And these structural elements, these architectural elements need to be even more cohesive than, say, the dining chair or the artwork because you don't want to change them out. You want them to have a lot of longevity. You want that backsplash to be something you enjoy for the next 10 to 15 years. You want to make sure you have a lot of clarity on the style you're going for, something that will be cohesive with what's already architecturally happening in the space. So we know that we have like a shaker style cabinet that has some ornate detailing. That definitely feels transitional because of the sort of curving lines of that inset frame. So I would say right now your cabinetry is leaning towards transitional, But the hardware is definitely contemporary because of its clean lines. The pendants are contemporary to super modern. They're those glass tubes that have the elongated bulb inside. Right now, we're a little bit of a hot mess with our style. And I want you to get more specific before you make even one additional choice. Please take my advice, Rebecca. Please listen to a couple more episodes pick your phrase, and then pick your hardware and backsplash. My next question is coming from another Rebecca. This Rebecca, however, is located in a town I'm very familiar with, New York City. Rebecca writes, Hi, I'm wondering in the case of radiators, like the one in the picture I'm sharing, how long do you make the curtains? Well, that is a great question. Rebecca, because it does get complicated, right? If I have a space where there is a radiator directly under the window and I need those drapes to close, right? They're not just going to be decorative. I want to draw them then I am definitely not going to use drapes that go all the way to the floor. I do not want that big belly bulge underneath the drapery of a radiator. I also don't want my fabric getting hot, right? Same thing goes with having an air conditioner in one of these windows. If I'm going to draw the drapes, I don't want them to be in front of the air conditioner and have them billow out, block my cool air, waste my electricity, so, my recommendation for a window that does have a radiator, it does have an air conditioner, and you do need to draw the drapes is to not have drapes. There are times when you need drapes exclusively. There are times when you need blinds exclusively, but a fully dressed window has both blinds and drapes. You only manipulate the blinds and the drape is just there to look pretty, add softness, color, texture, et In the case of your radiator, because it extends past the window frame, drapes are going to look ridiculous, even if they were decorative, because you're going to be able to see the sides of the window frame and the drapes are going to look like they're kind of hanging out there in no man's land versus being sort of a crucial part of the window, even just visually, if not functionally. I would highly recommend in your windows that you only do blinds. That way they can stop right above the radiator at the bottom of the window frame. And if you do install an air conditioner in here, then they can stop right at the top of the air conditioner. It just makes a lot more sense, even if it's not as visually appealing. Now, if you are just set on doing some kind of fabric treatment, we'll do a Roman blind. Now a Roman blind is made of fabric, right? And it comes down in those rectangular type chunks. And again, you can stop it right above the radiator, right above the air conditioner. My only reservation with Roman blinds, I find them to be beautiful. I love the texture that they add. It's such a good compromise when I can't have drapes. The problem is, I can see that you have an amazing panorama of the Hudson River. And these drapes are going to cut off some of that window, right? You're going to lose some window at the top because all that fabric is going to come to rest at the top when you open the blind fully. And so you lose about 8 to 12 inches of window. And it's a real shame unless you plan on outside mounting it. But when you outside mount your blind, that means that when you close it, it's going to fall in front of the window frame and it's going to land right on top of the radiator. And that is not sophisticated, right? I want the windowsill to be the thing that stops the Roman blind, not the radiator. There we go. Did that help? Did that illuminate the situation? I have lots of strong feelings on window treatments and so much more. If you're saying, Betsy, I need to learn more about blinds and drapes, well, you'll want to read my book. You'll want to go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, that's affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. And there you'll see my classes, my book. You can take a further deep dive. I have a whole chapter on window treatments. You will not want to miss it. And of course, you could just keep listening to this podcast. I would love that too. Everyone, I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll see you next time. Bye. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, Bye.